We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Before we were recording this, we were beefing inside of our group chat about pro wrestling. So we can't wait to clue you guys in on, of course, the latest of our pro wrestling beefs. So we'll have that for you guys in a little while. We're also going to talk a little bit about the UFC. They're on hiatus, but we'll touch on MMA. And then we also have to talk boxing. We'll both be at the Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz rematch this weekend so a lot to talk about there what i wanted to start it off with if you're okay with dropping the beef for a second oh man is uh this colin kaepernick discussion which we've talked about before but now it has another layer with stephen a smith and his comments oh my god um yeah man we can put the beef aside for this because i got beef with i got beef with a lot of people over this shit because uh, <laughs> i got beef with your mentions why are all the ignorant people always in your mentions? No, I don't know. And it just, it never stops. But no. I mean, obviously everybody's keenly aware that, you know, Colin Kaepernick was uh, offered a workout by the NFL. Um, and that he get, he was given a 48 hour window to accept this workout. Uh, he skirted the workout because it was a waiver. Um, they wouldn't allow any outside cameras. It was a controlled environment by a company he couldn't trust. So he decided to do a workout on his own. Because ultimately, the goal was to prove that he could still play football. Nothing else. It wasn't to acquiesce to show you that I'm going to play by the rules or I'm not going to be too black. Or I'm going to be your best friend or I'm be likable like fucking Tiki Barber said. It was really about him showing he could play the position. And it was a workout that he recorded. And now there's this big argument that's come up, that, a discussion that he blew his chance at getting back in the league. For one, this is my personal opinion. 
This was never about him getting on a team because it's week 11 of the NFL season and we're having a workout on a Saturday where most teams are either in their playoff stretch or they've said, you know what, we've acquiesced, we're not going to go to the playoffs this year, we're going to play our young quarterbacks. I, don't, I never saw a scenario where Kaepernick was going to get signed after not playing for three years. No. I didn't see that with this workout. There's maybe Second. two teams, and I think neither of them showed up to the workout. One would be right. the Pittsburgh Steelers. One would be the Detroit Lions. So I, I never saw a scenario where Kaepernick was going to be signed by a team. I saw this as the NFL saving face by using Jay-Z once again as a tool to, get, to grant him a workout. But the second thing here is that you know, Colin Kaepernick's been out of the league for three years, and he's been blackballed. He never hit anybody. He never busted anybody over the head with a helmet. He never raped anybody, but he's been blackballed by the NFL. There was a collusion case that was settled, and a lot of people don't understand what settling means, but you should Google it because we don't have time to get into that here. But he it settled because the NFL was guilty in, in this. And here we are three years later, and the NFL is offering a workout. Now, here's my first beat. If a team wanted to sign Colin Kaepernick, they could have worked him out before. Yeah. They, they didn't need this shit to happen. And if, if you know anything about sports, say, yes, we're a combat sports co- podcast. But, Kel, you've covered the NFL before. I've done, it, I've done a little bit here and there as well. But I also work at the Sporting News where I discuss this often. You can, you can work out at any time if a team wants you. Whenever you, don't you need want. To have, <laughs> you don't need this big extravaganza for a workout for the NFL to save face and say, we gave you a chance. Second of all, that waiver is completely another bullshit. They're going to tell Kaepernick he had to sign away his right to sue the NFL if, for whatever reason, they gave him a workout, which was, wasn't transparent, they doctored the footage, or said anything to the sense that Kaepernick was, he stunk or he didn't want to play or he did this, that, and th- whatever it was, he had to sign away his rights. Kaepernick said, fuck that. I think the only thing here is, like, people, Stephen A. Smith said he doesn't want to play. No, he wants to play, but, you know, I want to work at, you know, the zone. But if the zone says, Andreas, in order for, for you to work with us, you got to wear clown shoes and clown makeup, I'll be like, nah, I'm cool. I still want to work, but I'm not going to do that shit. You have a little bit of integrity. And, like, I mean, with Stephen A. Smith, as everybody's seen, he's put his blackness on the line now because he's been a, a critic of Kaepernick by putting out that dumbass video saying Kaepernick doesn't want to play, which he shouldn't have done. The best thing you can do sometimes is shut the fuck up. But so, second of all, sometimes just wait, wait till Monday, man. Let run it through a production meeting. Just just get some more ears on it. That immediate response. As soon as I saw it, I think there was a fight that I was uh, covering this past Saturday and I was at uh, the campus and I was just like, yo, just wait. Like what? Why do you have to be first? That it, absolutely. And then that brings me to my second point, which is you didn't have all the information, buddy. No, you didn't because you started fighting a battle about a waiver that you were not clear on. And when and when you got sunned by Max Kellerman on first take, and you you moved away from the waiver, you started talking about the Kunta Kinte shirt, and then you started, you, him and Damian Woody were arguing about, you know, we're black, you're not, so you don't understand. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. As black, y'all, y'all know me, I've been fighting this war for a long time on, on several fronts. At wherever I've worked at, I, I've been, I've tried, you know, Keep my integrity. I, I fight for racial equality, but I also fight for people to acknowledge our blackness and understand who we are. Don't use that shit when you're wrong. I don't like that shit. I, I don't. It bothers me a lot. Like when you're wrong as two left shoes, don't sit there and say, well, I'm black and you're not. Like that's just that's just trying to pull a trump card and it's whack. 
because Max wasn't wrong. The Kunta, if, if he wasn't going to get a job because of a Kunta Kinte shirt, which I guarantee you a vast majority of the people that – of those white executives that saw that were like, who the fuck is Kunta Kinte? That's, <laughs> like, from, if, he, if he didn't get a job because of that, then that, that's, a, that's a bigger issue. Boy, what because, if he would have wore a shirt that was actually historical in nature, like something real? Like a Malcolm X t-shirt or like, man, he could have went a lot more inflammatory. That's, I mean, that's the equivalent of me wearing an Al Bundy t-shirt. Like, (laughs) right? Like it's, it's, people are up in arms about this t-shirt. I'm like, yo, it it was a great shirt and it's cool, but that's like me wearing a pro wrestling t-shirt. Right. He's wearing a t-shirt of a character. He could have went way more egregious. He really could have, but what? What? Like, I just don't get it. So, what is what is that shirt? Which was because Kunta Kinte was actually a real slave, but the character in Roots is a lot the point Correct. of reference. Yes, that's so, where the shirt was. I'm well. But, I don't know. Maybe I got to ask Kevin that. But I was thinking of the character in Roots. Yeah. So, but either way, it's like, what was so insulting about that shirt? Oh, the forty million dollar slave reference. Is that what we're talking about here? Like, if it's that offensive, I mean. If that's the most offensive thing that you can find out of all the things that Kaepernick has done, period, with the pig socks, and if, if all those things were found offensive, then you were like, nope, that's it. That Kunta Kinte shirt, I can't take it. You just never wanted him. And just admit it, you just never wanted him. But and the whole point of this workout was to show he could throw the, the fucking football. Yep. And, and that's the key. I mean, listen, if it's if the purpose of the workout, and that's all the NFL had to say from, from jump, was the purpose of this workout was to see if you can come, you can oblige, and if there won't be a circus around what you do. Then let the man know that. The pretense of the workout was we want to see if you can still play. There's a, there's a different way of handling things. Because if you want to say you're not in the league because you bring a circus, cool, you guys did that shit to Tim Tebow. Like the circus got too big for the talent level. Now... You only thing you said was what's your talent level? His talent level is better than eighty percent of the quarterbacks you currently employ. We saw that. Now say the real reason why he isn't employed. I'm pretty sure they're a company that can choose to employ whoever they would like. You, the man already won the the lawsuit of collusion. If you say, you know what, the distractions that come along with you are not worth the employment. Then you can just be honest, but they're not. No one's being honest in this situation, and that's the problem with it. You know, underlying problem like in the stimulation and all that. That was just all ridiculous. Like the man's trying to work. They try to give him a contract and a document to sign that wasn't in his best. I guess in his best wishes, they were they weren't for him. His lawyers, his agent, I'm sure looked at that shit and laughed. Like, yo, we're not signing this. Yeah. You don't, sign, like you don't sign anything at that level without running it through an agent, your lawyer. Like, if someone gives you something the day you show up somewhere, nowhere, we don't sign stuff like that. There is not one contract we would sign on a day's notice without having someone look over it. This guy's trying to make millions. His profile's way higher. So that shit is stupid. It's just bad business. On a base level, it's bad business by the NFL. It just seemed like some sneaky shit. And they wouldn't move off 
of what they were trying to do. So the whole picture was painted. Some people fell for the picture that was painted by the NFL. And that was sad. The guy worked out. Um, what's the, I don't know what would be the alternative. Could he have signed the waiver, worked out for the NFL, jumped through their hoops, did a yes or sir, I'll do whatever you want. And then maybe the next day in Atlanta have his own workout to show people that he can still throw? Maybe. But is that going to help the NFL sign him anymore? This, <laughs> no, this is my question. Like, If he would have done that, what Stephen A is suggesting, and just signed away whatever they wanted, go to their private workout with their 24 coaches, who none of them were a coordinator, a general manager, nothing like that. Scouts. Guys who were 25 years old were at this thing. Just to have an eye on it. So if he would have done all of that for them, jumped through hoops, all this stuff, uh, Hugh Jackson would have been there. Great. And then on Sunday or Monday, held his own workouts. If he was just even nice and said, you know what? I'm not going to ruin your Sunday. On Monday during the day, I'm going to hold my own workouts here in Atlanta too. That will be open to the media and I will show you guys the exact routine I did for them with my receivers and everything. And he does great, and he looks as good as he did. Then what? Then, and that's the worst thing about what Stephen A said. He acted as though a good performance would have guaranteed him a job. There was no guarantees. It was a it was a workout. Like so, there's a couple things before we got to move on because we got to keep the show re relatively tight. One, it was there was no guaranteed job, right? And the people that compare this to a job interview, you're not getting paid millions of dollars. You weren't blackballed by your job, so you can't compare this to a job interview. Like you gotta, y'all gotta cut that shit out. You can't tell your job what to do. This is a extremely unique circumstance. It is not like you working at Best Buy. So fucking relax. <laughs> so the other thing is, Stephen A. Smith. Listen, for the people that are out there calling an, him an Uncle Tom and a and a coon, you're wrong. Yeah, that I is not the case. He's not Whitlocking. No, like Whitlock goes through extenuating circumstances to disparage African-Americans in their causes. He That's also did it with this, but we don't have enough time to talk about his buffoon no. on this subject. But what Stephen A. Smith, he had a perspective where he, he felt like in order to get your foot in the door, you have to acquiesce. And that's his perspective because he maybe has done that in his past. But it's not what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It's a situation where that's your perspective that you should sacrifice. It's not Collins. Because Colin isn't somebody who is just wants to play in the NFL. Obviously, he risked his career by, by taking this stance. So, yes, he wants to play football. Like, listen, I want to cover boxing and MMA and pro wrestling. But if you challenge my blackness, my blackness is more important than anything else. Period. And that's why everything that I do is about you know, cultural diversity. It's about acknowledging our differences in everything that I do. If you don't like it, fuck it. I'm just not for you. But that's what's most, most important to me in social justice. Kaepernick, I guess, is in a similar situation where he's looking at it, it's like, I love football, but if, you, if, if I can't have a quiet, peaceful protest about something, this, maybe this shit ain't for me. But I still want to play. So Stephen A. Smith is not a coon. He has a, a wrong perspective, and he's wrong. And it's, it's okay to be wrong. I just don't like that he won't cop to it. Like, now that the waiver's been out, and we've seen the transparency, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, the NFL was pulling the okey-doke. Man, cut it out. Just, just say, you know what? I didn't know all the information. I apologize. Don't start going out there saying, I'm black, and you don't know what I've done. Because now it's just you doubling down, man. And nobody respects that shit. Yeah, it's just he, he pulled the trigger way too fast. 
and then didn't walk himself backwards. He just keeps doubling down. Which, listen, I mean, if that's the way he wants to go, that's the way he wants to go. But it's one of those situations, like like you said, I think it's weird because he's a guy in a position where this could end up hitting closer to home down the line. And then at that point, you don't want to look like a hypocrite. Because Stephen A does stand up for a lot of black athletes. He does put forward the culture a lot. And if one day it came, you know, push came to shove and they say, Stephen A, you are too black on first take. Or you cannot stand up for this black man on first take. What? And he says, you know what? No. Then I quit. Then I won't work here. Then he's he's pretty much saying my blackness is worth more than this job. Does that mean he's going to stop doing radio forever? Is he going to stop being a writer? Is he going to stop searching for another job on television? No. And that's exactly what Kaepernick's doing. He's not going to stop being a quarterback. He's not going to stop being a football player. Yes, he would like to keep his job and keep doing the same thing. But it seems as though he can't be to his level of blackness and do that. And that's what it comes down to in a lot of places. You can be black, but you have to be their level of blackness. You do not get to choose your level of blackness for certain companies. And those are the companies, personally, I would not work for. Do not tell me I could be black, but only so black to be here. Don't tell me I can't wear my New Day Raising Their Fish shirts here. Yeah. Don't tell me I can't wear your shirt. I wore your shirt to my news station in Vegas. And people were like, oh, what does that mean? I was like, what do you think it means? Like, if you got a problem with this shirt, with this quote, then you know what? You're the problem, not me. So people trying to quantify your blackness, like, no. And hopefully Stephen A doesn't have to go through that. But it's a reality of something we may all have to go through. So speaking up against it and telling someone when they should be 100% black or 80% black to make others feel comfortable or to get a job is not the way to go. Because that's something that just comes back and bites you in the ass. So, man, uh, I don't know. We've talked for, for days about this. But like you said, it's a short show. We're trying to keep it tight, trying to get everything in here. Um, we want to hear what you guys say. You know, Dre's timeline especially. But both our timelines. We, we continue this talk. This isn't going to be the end of the talk for us. You no, guys absolutely. can follow along and, uh, you know, get more of what we think about this. But to kick off combat sports, Dre, we're right back in the same damn circle. And it's because... If you guys aren't familiar with pro wrestling in the 80s, 90s, there's a man named Jim Cornette. He has been, what, a play-by-play guy. He's been an analyst about pro wrestling. He's been an on-screen talent at times, manager. He has been ingrained in the wrestling culture for decades. He was a promoter, right? Like, deep south or something. Um, yeah, he Older man, he's done. He's done it all. He's done everything, and he was a part of NWA's reboot, which I think most people liked. It was well received. I it's on YouTube. Cool show. It has an old school aesthetic. Cornette has been known to say some off the cuff shit. Yet sometimes you know the guy's resume trumps some of the scandals. Everyone loves a comeback story. Hulk Hogan's on WWE television every two months. So, in, in the same kind of regard, Cornette came, and this week went full Cornette and said a very 
off-color statement while doing commentary for NWA. And before I let Dre talk, I'll just tell you what he said. He said, um, let me, I hate paraphrasing. I should have had it up. I forgot the name of the wrestler who was wrestling. But he said he's so bad he can strap a bucket of chicken to his back and ride a moped through Ethiopia. That was his analogy. And he was so proud of that shit. And no one knew it was wrong until everything went off the air and they started getting feedback of this. Producers, production. They pulled this afterwards. There was no apology, nothing like that during the broadcast. Nothing was wrong. Everyone in the headsets, on TV, on the truck, everything to them said, okay, keep it moving. And then afterwards, all hell broke loose. So, Dre, what... I mean, I'm assuming you saw it when we all saw it, when this was just now finishing and they were taking down the YouTube video as fast as possible. Yeah, man. Um, God damn. This is why. Well, kids, listen to this podcast. You've been with me long enough. What have I said about having a black person in the room and how important that is for somebody coming there and be like, nope, that ain't it, chief. Perfect example. Second thing. Yeah. If you hire Jim Cornette, a man who has been known to ruffle quite a few feathers with his off-color remarks, and you put him on commentary with a hot mic, which in this case wasn't necessarily hot because you didn't have nobody in the recording room. It's a chief. That ain't it. But you put him in that situation, you can kind of expect something like this to come out because he thought the shit was funny. Third thing, yo, everybody has off-color remarks about race and gender and all that shit. It just doesn't mean you have to say the shit. Keep your racism to yourself. I don't know why this shit is so fucking hard in 2019 that you can see something. In, like, there's been. I think that's times- been forever, though. Like, people feel. And that, I mean, this shit's true. Like, racism isn't as cool or funny if you don't say it out loud. Right? Like, I was playing video games like Halo back in 2000. And all the little white kids were, like, calling me a nigger and shit like that. Like, it just. It was what it was, right? Like, if I had 15 kills and had an overkill on someone. And they could hear my voice. It was a rap. A rap. Like, people who weren't black were getting caught with it. Don't even sound remotely black and be nice at video games. They were letting you have it. So, like, yeah, racism, yeah, it's kind of spoken aloud. That's what racists like. They think that shit's funny. They really do. I just don't understand why you can't keep it to yourself in 2019. If you like, feel I you just... have a good joke, you're not going to keep it to yourself, right? You're going to tell somebody. They think that uh, shit's funny. They think it's a good joke. Self-censoring is important, especially in this day and age. Like, come on, man. Like, listen, black references to black people, like, you know, you should, at this point in time, you should know better. This shit ain't that hard anymore. There's no excuse for this shit. There's none. You got to know better. Like, I think he said not- it in 1995. He said the same analogy. Like, this is in like, his go-to book. Like, his go-to book of rhymes. Like, he wrote this shit down. So, yeah, so he's resigned, which means he was pressured to get get out of there. But it really damages NWA power because, you know, they had just got here. And, they were, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to watch it. I've just been way too busy. And it's been backlogged for a while. And I, maybe I will eventually watch it. But the shit ain't going to last after this. They fucked up. Yeah, and it I sucks mean, because, and, and as a sidebar, because there's a video game coming out that is using NWA power. And it's like the, uh, it's, it's like the literal sequel to uh, WrestleFest, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> but now it's like, ah, uh, it might be linked to the wrong brand, buddy. Yeah, and you are definitely a WrestleFest guy. I think you want the arcade, right? Like the full stand-up I, machine? I've been looking for that shit. But now they have this, <laughs> it's so expensive. But 
man, it's, it's whack, man. But it's Cornette, man. Is it that surprising to a lot of people? Like, are y'all that surprised? I'm not that surprised. I mean, it's it just, really, that shit was surprising. Because when you hear it, you're just like, yo. Like, he really, he really just said that shit. And yeah. it, it was so easy. And then the fact that NWA's first statement was, oh, I'm sorry that this offended some people. Oh, and what did they say? They were going to correct the situation. How the fuck are you going to correct we're, it? Yeah, we're going to take it down and correct it. What are you... What? You're going to dub over the audio? What are you correcting? Dog, we heard it. <laughs> so people already snatching it off the internet, downloading it. People had that shit quick. So that that was done. It was a wrap at that point. People already had it. And then even allowing Cornette to resign is a bad look. There, there is no reason at this point to give that man the courtesy of a resignation. You fire I mean, him. We have let him that, go. You know what that says? This is what that says. When, when you allow somebody to resign, it's like it's saying that, you know what? We didn't necessarily see anything wrong with it, but because you did, he's going to walk away. Because when you do something wrong in a company and they fire your ass, <laughs> they tell you that they tell the world like, he fucked up and we fired his ass. A resignation off of something like this is saying, oh, well, public pressure, because that means that somebody or a bunch of people in power didn't necessarily see anything wrong with what he did. But because it offended you, we're going to tell him that he can walk or let, allow him to walk away from the situation. That's not taking accountability as a company. At all. Really f- yeah, it's going to hurt him moving forward, which sucks because uh, – you know, like wrestling with stereotypes alum and friend of the podcast. Marty Bell is on there doing her thing. It's really fun to watch. And, you know, we don't want people we know to be unemployed. And she's good enough. She's going to work wherever she wants. Like she's really picking up steam, doing her thing, uh, stardom. Everything's picking back up for her. So congrats. But yeah, man, this this platform, NWA, it it really missed the mark. And sometimes it's all about... You know what? You have to really be wary of who's representing your brand. This is like Brett. This is company 101. Like business 101. Be careful who's representing your brand. And they, they were loosey-goosey with it. They, they went to Cornette for clout. And it bounced back and hit them in the face. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that promotion going forward. Other thing in the wrestling world. Um, before we get into the actual wrestling that occurred, last Friday, CM Punk made his debut on FS1. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I mean, I didn't. I didn't watch live, by the way. I know the the ratings went up what threefold. He tripled which, the ratings by himself. It's crazy. Which is not much. It's kind of weird because it's like it's it could have got a much bigger pop if the goal. I mean. Which we'll talk about him getting back in the ring again if like he showed up on Raw SmackDown. But then it would have gave the wrong idea. I think Punk is in an interesting spot because according to sources, he's not really interested in this road shit. But they gave him enough money where he was like, all right, I'll talk about the wrestling business again. It's too much money. But the expectation now is that he's going to get back in the ring. Like People tuned in to see what he's talking about because some people expected an announcement of sorts and he didn't give you that. He kind of was clear. It was like, oh, I haven't been really watching this shit. But then now that I did, this Rusev Lanas and Bobby Lashley thing is stupid. Like, <laughs> He's saying what we all think. It's not rocket yeah, science. So, 
I don't know. I guess it's leading people to unrealistic expectations. And that's not to say he will never be back in the WWE ring because you can never say never because the WWE back can tend to be extraordinarily massive. <laughs> but I just think in this situation, like him on backstage is cool, but like nobody's really watching it because I don't, I don't think people really trust backstage to be like an honest thing. And which they have been so far. Amazing. They have, but I, like, I, but I didn't expect that. It's the cash that the WWE has built. Like, same with their podcast. Like, when they said, oh, we're going to have, like, a peel-back-the-curtain look, you're like, yeah, okay, get the fuck out of here. It's going to really be, like, a peel-back-the-curtain according to WWE, which is not going to criticize Vince McMahon or anybody of power. So it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. And that's what we all think of WWE. So backstage, while it has been good, it still has the stench of being WWE-controlled. So now that Punk's on there, people are going to check it out. But I don't know what this leads to. It's cool. It's a cool idea, and it's good for Fox. It's good that, that w, pro wrestling is getting a primetime slot with like a talk show. But I just don't know where this is going. Yeah, I'm not sure like the numbers they are expecting to justify. Um, you know, keeping that show around. Who, who knows? Maybe Punk can keep the numbers inflated. I, I think hearing him, essentially, this is him saying exactly what he said in the pipe bomb weekly, right? So he gets to tear into the WWE and what's wrong and. What sucks is you, he really can't mention AEW or New Japan. Right. Like, there's there's no basis of comparison. Because it would be great if that show was all about the entire scope of wrestling. And he could say, you know what? This Will Ospreay fella is pretty damn good over here. Or, you know what? I think I like John Moxley better than Dean Ambrose. They're using him better than they've ever done. Oh, and Jericho's 49? And he's still hot. What the hell does WWE think about... When they let him go, there, there's certain little things that he would be great on commenting that he can't. You know, at his core, he's an indie guy, but he can't talk about the indies and other promotions. So that's a little weird um, because outside of that, all he's going to do is trash the WWE storylines and maybe like some shit on NXT. Yeah, he's pretty gonna, much. He's I mean, going to be I'm... us. I mean, that's that's it. He's going to be an objective fan and say, no, nah, this shit sucks. Like the reality of it is similar to boxing, where um, if if a promotion is petty and doesn't acknowledge a champion who happens to be with another promotion, how can you trust that? And that goes like I, you work at ESPN, I work at the Zone, Sporting News essentially, but which is the Zone, whatever. But I'm being very honest. Like I, you know, I sit in meetings. Like if we don't talk about Deontay Wilder, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to have a bias where you can't talk about something. So if WWE wants to be petty and not acknowledge that AEW exists when we all know it does, and we're not talking about all pro wrestling, people are going to be tuned out. Now, listen, I get it. If WWE just wants to talk about WWE and that's their show, cool. But there is going to be a segment of fans who don't trust it because they try to control the narrative and act like other promotions don't exist when we all know that they do. And that, that's their prerogative, but that's, that's why when the punk thing comes up, and if and I mean, let's be honest, he probably hasn't watched New Japan or AEW or nothing lately. He'd have to brush up on everything. Yeah. But when you tell tell them they can't talk about something, if that's the, if that's the uh, uh, ultimatum, it's like, listen, you can do this, but you can't talk about another thing. It's kind of whack. It's just it's kind of whack. It is. That's, that's what's what, missing for me. And uh, I agree with you. You know, ESPN, we have our partnership with Top Rank and everything. But I'm going to this Wilder fight. Um, when I get this ESPN boxing account up and running, you guys keep your eyes peeled for that. Don't know a date yet, but it's coming soon. I'm not just going to talk about top rank stuff. That was the f- first thing I said. I know we're covering boxing. 
We are ESPN. We, you know, we have basketball games on Wednesdays and Fridays. We don't ignore the basketball games that are on TNT on Tuesday and Thursdays. We cover all that shit. And we don't ignore football games just because we have Monday night football. We don't ignore the stuff that happens on Sundays. And that's how we're treating boxing. And that was the first thing I had said. And for some reason, WWE is the only one that really doesn't get that. Yeah, it's true. So it's just a weird dynamic. Like, they're trying to take over the mediums from people so they can control the narratives. But they'll never will if they're not completely open. Like, there's no reason. Like, if they're like, hey, Kel Andreas, bring the Corner Podcast over to WWE Network. We want you guys to run, you know, a, a cool hip hop, you know, style wrestling show podcast over here. I would be like, oh, dope. Uh, you know, we're talking about New Japan, right? You know, we're going to talk about AEW. Like, no, nah, you can't do that. We'd be like, all right, peace. Because that shit's just not, it's not wrestling. It's sports entertainment. And there's a, yep. a drastic difference. Um, talking about AEW, though, and talking about the better, the main roster, as Tommaso Ciampa says, and that's NXT. They went head-to-head again this week on Wednesday for the first time, NXT getting the better of the ratings. Again, I will reiterate, I don't give a damn about the ratings. As long as both shows are good, I am happy. I hate these ratings counts counters and, oh my God, this means they're good. This means this, they're in trouble. No, shut up. Neither are going anywhere. They're both getting money to be on television. Enjoy them. They're both better than whatever the hell we get on Monday and Fridays. That being said, me and you, old man, we got beef. Because it's a light beef, but it's beef. It's a preemptive beef because I'm going to have beef with you all week because I got to pay up on this damn steak dinner that I owe you. So this is the beginning of that beef. Um, I, I thought this week NXT had the better overall show. And... I think I've seen a lot of people online agree with me. You think it wasn't even really that close with AEW? No. I mean, listen, NXT didn't have – in a okay, I'm going to preface it with this. In a vacuum, if I hadn't been watching WWE television at all for the past three weeks, I'd be like, this is cool. Yeah, that's fair. Blue is corny, first of all. The seizures are stupid. I know who the fuck is on each brand. Anyway, but that would have been great. Like, I would have been like, man, this is awesome. We're heading into the Survivor Series. We're doing this, this fantasy thing. But y'all have been beating this shit to death for weeks. And I guarantee you, if we did the math, somewhere around 60% to 70% of the matches on Raw, Smack- and Raw and SmackDown specifically, and now this week on NXT, have had some sort of run-in. Where I'm just like, all right. This is like fantasy booking blue balls. It's like you're not going to commit to anything. You're just going to give us a match like you're going to give us Walter and Seth Rollins, but we're not going to commit to a finish. You're going to give us this match, but you're not going to commit to a finish. You're going to give us this match, but we're not going to see who the better man is because we're going to have a run-in that causes a roll-up finish. Like, So when I'm watching this week, first we had Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. I, Becky Lynch is just not a good wrestler to me. It's a great hey, character. I thought that was a good, good match. Good. I didn't. I thought it was okay. I, I did not. How about it? I'll give it a I, okay, I, I didn't think. I didn't think it was good, but it was okay. Like Becky's not terrible. I'm not going to ever say Becky was terrible. Rhea's but pretty I just, good. Rhea is good, but I just didn't feel like like this match didn't have a lot of smoke. And then you had the run-ins and with another non-finish, and I was like, uh, immediately I was like, oh come on. 
Another one? Yeah. So now we have another brawl. It would have been better with Shayna. Like, right? Like, it's the man who's the number one champion of all women in any promotion. Why is non-title holding Rhea Ripley out here to challenge her? Because they're trying, like, they're trying to tell a story. And again, it had been cool if I hadn't seen this shit for the last three weeks. I would agree with you there. Are. Yeah, the three weeks so, is, is weighed on me. It's exhausting. So then the next match, we have my favorite, Kona Reeves, on his way down the ramp. <laughs> and he gets jumped. And now we have Ricochet and Matt Riddle. That was a which, blessing, like, by the way. I thought we were going to have to watch Kona Reeves. I was so mad for a second. So as soon as that match starts, I'm like, this would be great if they actually had a match. No, we got like a good five minutes, and then we had a run in. And I'm like, come on. Like, can, can you minutes. give us – like? Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, there's no commitment. Yeah. So we got a roll-up finish, and then we got another brawl. Like, listen, and then we'll talk about the tag match with the Revival and Red Dragon, the Undisputed Era, whatever. We'll talk about that in a second. But – NXT, like, you've been promoting Survivor Series on every fucking show to nausea. I wanted to see NXT this week promote TakeOver. You could still promote Survivor Series and a segment, but every segment had something to do with Survivor Series. Every single segment, which took away a lot from me. I know people loved it, but I'm exhausted. I can't, I don't trust the WWE with invasion angles in the first place. But now it's like this was when we first when they had the accident with Saudi and then we got the running on SmackDown. That should have been it. They should have left that shit alone for weeks. They should have left it alone until yesterday. Exactly. And then that would have been fine. If with it was it. just that one and yesterday, I'm good. Perfect. So so it all took away from me. And then like we had another one where Nikki Cross stood tall. I'm like, Nikki Cross? Of all people? Nikki's kind of hot right now on the on the main roster. Yeah. But but it exposes like this glaring hole because that NXT like that SmackDown women's team is terrible. Oh, it's not great. But, it's Sasha. I mean, I like Nikki Cross, but it's Sasha and a bunch of other people. Exactly. But it's like so so okay. So then we had um what Kaylee Ray is that her name? Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah. So she's there and it's UK like champion. I don't get. It, I don't. I don't really get why she's with the women's match, which leads me to this whole thing. Like this women's war game match is like literally no build. I don't understand why these women, the, the heels are together. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. That, that's it. That's the only thing they they explain. The heels are against the faces. But Bianca wasn't really a heel, but now she has to be boxed in as a heel in order to, to be in this part of this team because otherwise the shit doesn't make sense. So then, so we had the, uh, the revival in Red Dragon, which it was an excellent match. It was a very good match. My problem with this match is I knew who was going to win. And, and, the revival in Red Dragon and I guess the War Raiders <laughs> should have been at Survivor Series. Which is but, true, because then at least with three teams, you don't know who's gonna win. Right. But but this match, I knew who was gonna win. So it was hard for me. Like I again, I thought this match was great. I'm not I'm not saying the match wasn't good. The match was great. One of the better tag team matches this year. But I knew who was gonna win. And then as soon as it ends, what do we have happen? another run-in. But you know what? I like the match because, one, it was so good that it made me forget at times that the Revival wasn't going to win. Like, right? Like, at times I was like, shit, they might win this. And then when it kept going and the Revival wasn't winning, I was like, okay, there's going to be shenanigans that makes this a non-finish. But it wasn't. We actually got a winner. So that was shocking to me. The the fact that we got a, 
a finisher by Red Dragon, and a clear pin with, I think, Dash or Wilder. I don't know which one is which still to this day. But with them saying, you know what? Fuck you guys. Boom. Catches the finish. That's good. Heels to the end. You're going to lose that good finish. And then you do the jumping. Why couldn't we do that with most of the matches? Beat their Ooh. ass after the finish. I, I don't get I, it. I, I thought that was really well played. And the f- fact that there was a finish at all was shocking to me. I would put a good amount of money on it that that would have had a finish, like a botch finish. Just a run in and people beating the hell out of them. See, I, I thought it was going to have an absolute finish because I felt like we were in Barry the Revival mode. That's how I felt. Like, I, mean, I felt like we, we took the title off of them, and, you know, hastily. They just got the title. And they took it right back off and put it on the New Day. But the rematch and, with the New Day had no finish. It was no, interrupted exactly. by Undisputed Era. Another really good match last week. But we're heading into a pay-per-view, well, whatever we're going to call these things now, where you have to make the Undisputed Era look strong. So they have to go all over on the former tag team champs. So to me, I just thought it was poor Story to, like it, it was bad for the revival. I feel like the revival are continuously getting the short end of the stick, and they are an excellent tag team. And it, but here, last year we are. But I thought the, the tag match was great. But my favorite match this weekend was on AEW with Phoenix and uh, was it Nick Jackson? Was it Matt Nick? I thought that was the best match because I didn't know who was going to win. Ray Phoenix is amazing. Like I, I have to put this out there because we've watched watched them with you know with the the Lucha. Uh, bros for a while but yep. as a singles talent he is unbelievable him and that him versus omega what three weeks ago a month ago incredible um, unbelievable like if there was no will osprey and we got to see more of ray phoenix he could be in an argument in, in some of these high caliber matches he could be in an argument for a wrestler of the year but yeah. he hasn't had those matches osprey's just been unreal this year and but that was impact I- kept him in a tag team outside of yeah. impact he got to be a solo guy but Impact kept him in the tag team. And Pentagon, for that matter, like Pentagon, I think I enjoy him more as a singles and a solo guy than I do as part of Lucha Bros. And Ray Phoenix is now getting to that level with me, too. Like, I like him better as singles guys. Not that I dislike the tag team at all. They're just so good as standalones. So for me, the reason why I could enjoy the AEW show better than NXT was because I I wasn't exhausted from the run-ins. Like, I just got tired. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm annoyed. I think, so, I think AEW's go-home show had two run-ins and four promos. So like, their, like, their go-home shows are stacked differently. But I think AEW just did the same thing on a go-home show. And and I, if I remember correctly, I, think I didn't like that NXT either. being better that week. I think you did. Exactly. I don't think so. It's like. I like, dude. I like wrestling, right? I like yeah. wrestling, and I, I like let's let's get let's get some clarity here. Let's have some good finishes. Let's not have all the bullshits. Like shenanigans are good every once in a while, yeah. but when you rely on them too much, it gets it's annoying. And I got tired, man. So NXT didn't have a bad show at all. I just found myself enjoying AEW show more because I had a, a, a great hot match to kick it off, where I didn't know the finish, and it ended up exceeding my expectations because Ray Phoenix is so good. The kip, kip up into a super kick was amazing. Um, Darby Allen and Moxley closing the show was great. Even though I was 95% sure who was going to win, the finish was ridiculous because Darby's a nut. That was the craziest spot of the night. So we had those two matches. And it looks really tap- good on Darby because it looks like you got to put him away with some real extra shit. Like you yeah. can't just hit your normal finisher on him to finish him because he's crazy and he'll damn near kill himself. So you really got to do something extra to put him away. I think Darby Allen's being built. That's the best thing AEW's done so far. And they've done a lot of good things. 
Um, the best thing they've done is this Darby Allen build. He looks like a star. MJF might catch him in how they kind of plan that out, but damn, he looks good. Yeah, so so there was that. Uh, we do have to have a, a talk about Private Party because Isaiah Cassidy needs to make me believe his offense. It's starting to look <laughs> a little choreographed. Yeah, it's and, very and scripted because it's the same set over and over and over. Right. Other than that, LAX is remarkable. They're a great tag team. I, like that tag match was cool. Yeah. It wasn't as great as yeah, it could have been. Yeah, the spot that was kind of weird. Yeah, the, the, the pinfall, like, yeah. yeah, it took a lot of people out of that match. Yeah. But I thought those two matches on AEW were better than um, overall. It made me enjoy the show. Like, even the Battle Royal, even though it was a nonsense Battle Royal, as most of them are, I thought there was a, the great spot with Sonny Kiss and uh, Billy Gunn. I thought we had, Why you know. Why did Billy Gunn the, get the big show spot? That bothers me because you know your whole roster is tiny. Don't give it to a man who was average size in WWE. Save it. You you got, some, you got the big guy helping MJF like just but, don't use it. But we're keep in mind like Billy Gunn's a lot bigger now than he was in WWE. Yes, but, but in comparison, Billy Gunn is still Randy Orton, Roman Reigns size. Like he's not a, a monster. No, but they treated the, him the as such. Royal, they all jumped the, him. The battle royal was was built to make MJF a bigger heel. And yeah. I'm fine with that. Like it was, I, it wasn't anything that anybody should take him serious. No, they so, they succeeded with that. But I really could have just watched the last two minutes of him with him and Hangman Page, which is a feud they I think they're setting up. I like that. They're setting up some pretty good feuds. I really like the Scorpio Sky promo. That was excellent. Like, listen, Jericho is continuously being one of the best promos. Period in pro wrestling, putting over all but the Scorpio, baby faces, whoever. It yeah, is. but. Scorpio Sky made a great account of himself. And you know what's funny is when I saw him in the ring, if I if we didn't do our panel and he didn't tell us the story about the Urban Wrestling League, I would have known that Scorpio had it in him. But now <laughs> that we had our panel and got to see him tell that story and I got to see Scorpio's personality, I was like, thank God, because he needed that look. Yeah. Because now he gets to shine. And, you know, the whole, like, uh, I don't really want the title shot. And, you know, and I, you know, what do you say? I, I like... Uh, when they were talking about your, your girl got gained some weight, and he was like, well, what can I say? I like big butts. Like, everything was played well in that. Where it goes, I'm a little curious, because obviously we don't have a paper. Yeah. You and they're not going to put the title on Scorpio Sky. I'm pretty. But I think they made a good account for him. But that's his title shot next week, so it's kind of weird. Like, is that a, just a, a washed finish? Or does Scorpio lose, and then they keep him in it? Like, it's weird. I don't know. And then even with Scorpio Sky getting the, I guess, the title shot next, that's weird to me in a promotion that says wins and losses matter. Well, Right? Because I understand he pinned the champion. I get it. He pinned him in a tag match. But overall wins and losses, there's people with better records. Like, technically, Neville should probably get the next shot. Well, here's your issue, is that they they tricked Jericho into giving him the match. There wasn't. This wasn't about wins and losses. They they kind of played Jericho into get, getting this match. So, yeah, wins and losses still matter. But I think, I think AEW, like I said before, they have to figure this out because when when do wins and losses matter? Yeah. I think they're I think realizing like, yo, we kind of gotta not walk back on that statement, but figure out a different way to make it work for us. Yeah. So with that being said, I think. AEW needs to make it clear sooner than later that like wins and losses matter for pay per views. Yeah, right. Like, or, like if winning streaks to- matter. 
How about that? Because you can lose and go 0 for 12 in the beginning of the year, go on a four or five match winning streak and end up in a title match. But if you show the wins and loss records, graphics when they're walking out and the guy is five and 12, you're looking at this like you're like this shit is weird. When another guy is 12 and four, but the other guy wins two, loses one, wins two, loses one. He doesn't deserve the title. A force, you know, four or five match winning streak gets you the title. That's where they're going to be with Kenny Omega. And if you say streaks are what counts, who's hot, then it makes more sense than overall records. Yeah, so they, they have to figure that part out. But those are my reasons for enjoying AEW more than NXT. I just, in a vacuum, NXT had a great show that I would have loved if I didn't have to endure this shit for the past three yeah. weeks. But I had to. But we have I to because we have a podcast that we got to watch everything for. Yeah, and I, I can't get that shit out of my head. Like, I can't sit there and say, man, I've just seen this shit for a goddamn, for a month. I, I'm tired of run-ins. It took away from the show for me. People loved it. People loved it. I, I did. get it. I, I, I knew what it was going to be coming into it. And so did you. But to you, it ruined it. To me, I knew what it was going to be. I knew there were going to be run-ins. Triple H said so early in the day. It was like, okay, who's going to show up? Okay, what names can they bring in? Oh, when are they going to come in? And I, I thought after announcing that and kind of being shoehorned into that box, I thought they pulled it off very well. Because I had no yeah. no misconceptions of what it was going to be. Yeah, but see, just because I know it's going to be whack doesn't mean I got to enjoy it being whack. Like, <laughs> I, I thought I, they I, made they made a a whack a, a whack kind of rundown into something very enjoyable. Like it, yeah. the what's whack about it is how they do it on SmackDown. Is how they do it on Raw. I don't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy that the past two weeks. I, I felt those were whack on NXT. I thought it was better. Because it was like, okay, it's really shocking who's going to show up. I don't know. On Raw and SmackDown, we've had the same people show up for three weeks. The NXT roster is yeah. only so big. They're not using Finn Balor. They're not using... Like, they use the same seven, eight people for three weeks. That's just not fun to me. Those guys aren't huge stars compared to the NXT guys. Even though they tried to make the NXT guys go over. But you're bringing people who aren't the caliber of stars. So, the crowd's not into it as much. It's like, okay... When you bring people down and people who have been in NXT before and the crowd can say, wow, you're back. Or, you know, even when they brought AJ Styles down, it's like, wow, they never competed here. The OC is the only people who ever skipped this. They're finally in the NXT ring. And then you have all these. It's cooler when you bring them down to NXT than have the same bullshit going up to Raw and SmackDown. It was cool the first time. The Saudi Arabia thing, like you said, that was cool. They should have left it alone and just have... SmackDown versus Raw attack each other on the main roster. Leave NXT out of it until this week. Yeah, my only argument with that is that did you really not know who was going to show up on NXT? Was it really that surprising? I mean, I thought we might get Roman. The biggest thing is Seth, I guess, was was the one. And the crowd's reaction to him was hilarious. Because it, it's so weird about all the NXT people. Seth seems the most removed. Like, crowd-wise, yeah. like, they, they don't have an attachment. He was the first ever NXT champion. And people were like, eh. Some people were like, like, yo, I'd rather Roman Reigns. Like, like if that would have been a huge pop. I'm, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I was like, cool. You know, I was dreaming, which never happened. But if Brock Lesnar would have came out to face Matt Riddle, that shit would have been funny. Because Matt Riddle's been talking shit to Lesnar and wanted to retire him. So to have Lesnar yeah. come out and beat his ass would have been great. Maybe next year. Maybe Riddle's champion next year. Maybe it's worth Brock's time. I don't know. Or just have Riddle, you know, face-to-face with Brock. I find that funny. Just because the shit-talking, I think it's really good. 
and have Brock wreck him. Uh, <laughs> or just give him one F5. But, yeah, man, it's it could have been... Seth was kind of like, ah. But the other ones, Ricochet coming, I thought that was dope. We had cool matchups. Keith Lee gave a spirit bomb to Drew McIntyre. That was fucking crazy. Again, these are all people that I expected to show up because I've seen them interact for the last yeah. three weeks. Yeah, that's true. None, that's, none, that's of this, none of this was exciting to me. It would have been exciting if I didn't see it already. So <laughs> that, that's my qualm with it. And, you know, if you enjoyed it, sure. But those are my reasons for not giving a shit. No, I feel you on that. And I, I can see how that's uh, what you thought. So I would say, I don't know. We got stuff to do today, right? I'm going to Vegas. We have the fight on Saturday and Sunday. I will say this. We don't have time to give our outright predictions today for Survivor Series or NXT. What I will do is try to corner the old man and we knock that out maybe with like a 30-minute episode. Do something special. Throw it up. Just NXT and uh, Survivor Series predictions. So we'll leave that to the side. Um, in MMA, nothing really happened. Right? We're not missing anything. Nope. We're all on Connor watch. Is Connor going to come back? Is he going to sign? Are they going to announce it? Is it going to be Cerrone or is it going to be Gaethje? So, like, until that happens, we really don't got nothing to talk about in the UFC. They're taking two weeks off. Um, they've announced a couple fights here and there. Nothing to really stop the show for. In boxing, though, we have Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz in Vegas. The last one was in Brooklyn at the Barclays. So, I'm going back to Vegas here after recording the show. Dre's been there all week, around fight week. The same question we ask all the time, Dre. How's the urban loitering? What's the atmosphere like? What am I stepping into? It's zero. What? You're breaking my heart. Here's why. So you got to do this in the summer. Here, here, no, here's why. Here, here's why. Grand arrivals are pointless unless it's somebody that's so big that you need to see them, like Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. So there's no really energy there. They could have Canelo. condensed that. They could have condensed that into the same day with the press conference, right? Yeah. Press conference was in the arena, which sounds good in theory, but if you don't open it up to the pop public, nobody gives a shit. So then that, there was no energy there. Today's Thursday. I didn't go anywhere near the MGM today because I had work to do, and nobody gave a shit about the undercard press conference. I didn't so, even show up. I, I literally booked my flight just to get there tomorrow. Yeah, so the real thing is um, – what people want to see is the weigh-in, which is tomorrow, and I'm not sure about that, but I think this is one of those fights where people want to see this fight. It's just the build isn't, isn't there yet. So I expect Saturday to be a little bit different because Deontay has this great bombastic personality, and people want to see somebody die, and that's what people are fully expecting in this fight, even though it could be competitive because we don't know how old Luis Ortiz is, but <laughs> be a thousand. The first one was competitive for a second. I don't know. It, I mean, it was competitive throughout the, much of the fight. Like, Wilder didn't just run away with that fight. No, but he, he had a hard to, to be fair, I, he was saved by the bell in the fifth. Luis yeah. Ortiz was. That shit could have been over in a blink. But it wasn't. The bell saved him, and he had one hell of a seventh round. Yes, yeah, but I, I fully expect Wilder to win this fight, but it's just a matter of, like, the, the Urban Lord is just not there yet. And it could be on Saturday night, but right now, it's right before Thanksgiving. Eh, people aren't there yet. Eh, well, hopefully we get... A good little bit of urban loitering. I'm staying. This is the first time I am coming back as a visitor, like a true visitor. I was there for the Canelo fight um, a couple weeks ago. But even then, I stayed off the strip. And it was cool, but I had to book last second. It was kind of crazy. This time, I booked in advance. Booked, you know, through ESPN. Everything is good. I'm staying on the strip. 
I'm expecting some good old urban loitering, and you just broke my heart. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, tomorrow, listen, Friday, uh, most of you will hit listeners in. It's the Little Brother Show. I'm excited about that. Other than that, eh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Prediction time. Official uh, predictions for this fight. Dude. You said Wilder. Wilder by, yeah, Wilder by stoppage, mm, eighth round maybe. I think I think uh, Ortiz is going to give him some hard, uh, some difficult looks early, and then shit is going to change. Um, and all it takes, dude, Wilder said it perfectly. Like, dude, Grand Arrivals, there was only five of us that interviewed. And I got one-on-one time with Wilder, and I got Wilder to talk about Colin Kaepernick, which actually was pretty cool. But Wilder said one thing that continues to stick out. You need to be perfect against me for 12 rounds. I need two seconds. And he's right. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's right. He could lose every minute of every round, but if he hits you, you're going to sleep unless your name is Tyson Fury. And I think that's and he went happen. to sleep and just had an alarm clock in his pocket. Woke his ass Yo, right back up. To this day, still wild as hell. As hell. <laughs> I've never seen no shit like that in my life. <laughs> no, yeah, he looked like he was out. But no, yeah, I would say my official prediction, Wilder, third round knockout. I think uh, he almost had Ortiz out in the fifth last time. And I went back and rewatched that fight. His corner the entire time saying, throw a stiff jab. Throw the stiff jab. And Wilder was not listening to it. He's just pawing at Luis Ortiz. He's not using the range, which gives him no, no space to land the right. And then he gets in trouble in the seventh. In the eighth, he's still in a little bit of trouble. And you know what? He says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm throwing a normal jab. And he starts throwing a strong jab, keeping Luis Ortiz at a long enough distance for him to rock him with the right hand. And it was curtains after that. I think he starts to fight like this this time. I think he knows, okay, I got to throw a real ass jab to keep him far enough. So he walks into this right hand. And I think he does that really early. And uh, third round. Third round knockout by Deontay Wilder. The last question before we got out of here, get out of here because we have like two minutes is, and this is something shocking to me that I've been putting together stuff for this fight and getting everything up on the ESPN accounts. Wilder... Is he close to being in the top 10 pound for pound? Does this do it for him? Because they seem to not want to put heavyweights on that list. Since what, Klitschko? There's yeah. no heavyweight oh. on that list. And Klitschko wasn't necessarily high at any point. What hmm. will it take? Is this the thing that makes... I mean, listen, Pacquiao's like at number 10 on most people's list. So... It's going to be hard to move him, but like if you move him up 8-9, you would think two wins over Luis Ortiz. He's showing against Tyson Fury. The guy is arguably the number one heavyweight in the world with this win. How is he not on the top pound for pound list? Because heavyweight divisions have been so weak and everybody has struggled with giving heavyweights their due. So in some cases, yeah. I mean, do you want to put him ahead of Manny Pacquiao? Manny Pacquiao I move Manny up. up. Yeah, no, I'd move, I'd move Manny up. I don't know why he's 10. But there's people at like 8 or 9 that can really slide down. Yeah, Maybe 7. I mean, like, he, he deserves to be on a top 10 list. I get why he's not there. Like, you have Juan Francisco Estrada, who's been amazing. You have Arthur Bedebeev. It's just like Wilder's resume for 30 fights. I put him above Bedebeev right now. And I like Bedebeev. I put him above it's that. It's tough. I, it's it's tough. If, if Wilder beats Ortiz, it impresses. Because Wilder beat Dominic Brazil. Who gives a shit, right? Mm-hmm. Wilder beat Bermain Stavern. 
nowhere near the top 10 pound for pound. Wilder had a draw with Fury. If he would have beat Fury, he would have absolutely been in the pound for pound list. That draw kind of pushed them both just outside. Beating Luis Ortiz, a guy that you already stopped, I don't know if it's going to move him up. It's 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 challenging because he's close. I think he's close because I think Anthony Joshua was was on the fringes at one point until he lost to Ruiz. I think Tyson Fury's been on the fringes, but he hasn't fought anybody since Wilder. So knocking out Luis Ortiz, I don't I don't know, man. If Estrada doesn't drop out, I'm definitely dropping Mikey Garcia out. <sighs> and then you look at a guy. Some people have Usyk as number five. Well, how could you not? Heavyweight fight. He has sixteen he's, he's total dominant. fights. He dominant dude. Lomachenko's number one. How many fights does he have? Fourteen. Exactly. Usyk was a gold medalist and ran roughshod over I know everybody. He has eighteen fights. The whole top five got like forty combined fights. But they fought people. Deontay didn't. They fought people. Lomachenko's fought people. Usyk running through the cruiserweight classic like he did against Gassiev and everybody else. He fought people. I would say Ortiz twice, Stavern twice. Um, Stavern? Come you on, can say man. what you want about Ariola, knocking out Ariola. Like, Come on, these guys aren't even close. But compared to Usyk's rundown? Like, Usyk has fought guys who've been close to pound for pound in the cruiserweight division. If you watch boxing and you've watched what Usyk did against some of these guys in the cruiserweight Chaz classic. Chaz Weatherspoon, Tony Ballou. Tony, look, Tony Bellew, and you look at everybody. Murat Like You look at Gassi, you look at the Cruiserweight Cassie, what he did as an Olympic gold medalist, that's why he's there. Michael Hunter. Uh, that was a decision win. Marco Huck. Like, come on. Pedro Rodriguez. Like, who are we getting at? He has two wins. Dude, again. He has two legit look wins. Look at the Cruiserweight Classic. Who, dude. <laughs> yeah. The Cruiserweight Classic. Who is Deontay fought? If you're going to really say Bermain Severn, I'm going to laugh in your face. If you're going to say Chris so Arreola... was the champion. Dude, the heavyweight division was weak. Are you kidding me? You had, the, I'm looking at the, Usyk's record kind of sideways right now. Come on, you're wild. Because then you have, to look at, you have to look at Terrence Crawford's record kind of sideways too, don't you? Don't you? I, yeah, Terrence got better names than that. But yeah, I guess. Wait, better, better name? We're talking about, like, if, again, the, the best cruiserweights in the world... Usyk unified the The tight. man has 40 knockouts out of 41 fights. Against tomato cans. Come on, man. Draw against Fury. Okay. You almost out. Luis Ortiz, Bermain Stavern, Chris Ariola. Can't use Ariola at all. Stavern against the- Eric Molina wasn't great, but damn, Eric he's a was name. Trashed. He's a Eric- name. No, he's not. Come on. Come on. You can't do this, man. You can, <laughs> yeah. if you I, I'm not saying I'm it's super strong. I'm not saying you're super strong. I'm just saying everybody else ain't strong either. Dude, again, it's not what you do. And it's I'm not taking just Mikey Garcia off of it. If I have to replace How? anyone on the top 10, I'm taking Mikey out because he got skunked. He got skunked by moving up two weight classes. And facing one of the best fighters. I don't care. Another pound for pound fighter. So come back and show me something. He got skunked. Dude. He might lose to Pacquiao anyway. Get him out of here. You can't do that, man. Like, Mikey has fought people. Deontay Wilder had, like, you can't count 30 of those fucking wins because they were just warm-ups against cans. Guys who were terrible. Terrible. And on top of that, let's be honest here, because Wilder has the knockout power. But if we're talking about pound for pound, technical skill, Wilder doesn't really have that. So if you couple his resume, which Ortiz is his greatest win, 
period. Because he didn't beat Fury. Stavern, whack. Ariola, come on. What does he have? You have 40 knockouts and 41 fights. If you put it's not me like they were competitive. No, if you put me in there with 40 tomato cans, I'm crushing those tomato cans. <laughs> Wilder beat a bunch of bums. Everybody knows that this is not a big shock. Wilder beat bums. Usyk unified and was the undisputed cruiserweight championship champion. I'm not Deontay saying he Wilder, shouldn't be on the list. Wait, I mean, the man's wait, at wait, five. Wait, wait, Deontay Wilder didn't get a title fight until when? Till Stavern? Till 34 fights? Exactly. 35 30, fights in? 33 opponents weren't even ranked by the WBC. Come on, man. Usyk was fighting guys that were ranked. He was fighting top 10 guys in the division. Wilder wasn't fighting top 15 guys. He's, he's now fought top five guys in the division. Then the argument is the division Ooh. is just whack. Who? Tyson Fury and... Stavert was top Ortiz. five. He was the champion. And Luis Ortiz was top five. Luis Ortiz was third. So you're going to tell me that Bermain Stavern is somebody that makes you pound for pound? No, at the time he was top five in the heavyweight rankings. Are you going to tell me the division was whack as fuck? <laughs> That's all I'm saying is your response is going to be the division was whack as fuck. But he was fighting was. people top five, top ten. I Ooh. think Chris Ariola might have still been top ten when he put his ass out. That, that's Yo, not the greatest thing for honest. the division. Did you watch the heavyweight division before these guys showed up? Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury. Did you watch the heavyweight division? No, I didn't I didn't care about it until Thank Fury you. upset, upset Klitschko, and then I jumped in. Therein lies my point. And Ariola was, was around before then. Uh, Ariola was around. around. No, I said he was. was I said he, yeah, was. he was. He was. And I he was didn't care. Good. Yeah, like some people, Luis Ortiz might be 57 years old, so he was around, I'm sure. Like, I didn't care. Like, dude, again, the division was whack. Like, if you're a champion of a super whack division, so this doesn't what, put him in. I'm asking, does this fight put him in? Nah, man, he's just on the outside. He's on the outside. Ruiz because beating because he's already beaten Luis Ortiz. Like, oh. if he wasn't in after beating Luis Ortiz the first time, why would he be in it now? Answer that. I don't. I guess you got to beat him more impressively. Beating a dangerous puncher, arguably what the second heaviest hands in the heavyweight division, third if you want to put him behind Joshua. But you already beat him. So what? Like, what are you giving me now that says you know what you should be in the powerful? Well, power every range. time you step back because, into the ring with him, you can get knocked out. So I mean, you you can just get I right mean, back in. Mark Marquez was. I'm not saying that you know. Not the same. It's the same Come thing. On, but every time Pacquiao stepped in against him, he had a chance again. You know. But Marquez was out, pound and then pound. he did the fourth one. Mar- Marquez was pound for pound. If you didn't beat, if you didn't get in beating him the first time. Beating a guy that you already knocked out is not going to get you Does in the Andy pound. Does Andy Ruiz get in then? He beats a top, a fringe no. top 10 guy twice. No. no, no, he doesn't get in the pound for pound list. No, he's just outside. Because now the, the thing is that they got to fight it's each so other. It's so hard for a heavyweight. Like the, it, it the is standards the for the heavyweight. Whack. Okay, so if Wilder, okay, then the opposite argument has to be true. If Wilder goes win against Ortiz, impressive, win against Fury, Beats Andrew Ruiz pound, to unify titles. Absolutely. He has to be number one. The, I, no, 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 I want no, him to no, go from no. unranked to number one if he unifies the heavyweight titles. No, beats Fury, no. Ruiz, and uh, you're jumping off by the, the end of 2020. If, if, if you beat Luis Ortiz and you beat Tyson Fury, a man that was you were losing to before you got that knockdown, correct? You were losing. If you beat Tyson Fury, you're absolutely a pound for pound guy. Absolutely, you don't and have then to. Then if he unifies him. the titles with Ruiz, he's number one. No. You're saying his resume at that point is not better than Loma's? I'm saying his resume not, at that point is not better than Canelo's. Canelo's might, personally, Canelo would be my number one. 
But even then, I got to give it to him. Because I, I still, at that point, think Canelo lost against Triple G. I know it's not on paper. You can't hold it against him. But the man unified heavyweight titles, I got to give him. Dude, we're talking about, do you Who's know the, the definition of pound for pound? You know, pound for pound is like you move through weight classes, you beat people up. Yeah, That's I know, but doing. heavyweights can't do that. No, they can't. So they're but, at a disadvantage. But so you, you, move, have to, you move through, I mean, he's moving through weight classes because he was a guy who was a 215 pounds his last fight against someone 270. I'm going to make a very clear argument to you. And if you disagree with this, then I know you're crazy. <laughs> Who's a better boxer? No, Deontay Wilder. Like, Thank that's, no, that's, that's not that's a better it. boxer than Tyson Fury. He just has one hell of a parlor trick. That's, that's it. unfair. That's it. <laughs> no, it's not unfair. That's it. That's the argument. No, Canelo, that's, pound that's for pound, unfair. if you put him in any weight class with his skills, is a better boxer than just about any. Because that's what pound for pound is, right? Yeah, but Lomachenko's a better boxer than him. Arguably. But then, then, <laughs> Terrence like, Crawford, damn sure, is a better boxer than Canelo. But Canelo, is it? I think... Yeah. Who has, who, has, who has hit Terrence Crawford in the mouth one good time that you could say that? I, I would Terrence, say that's the mark of being a really good boxer. But do you understand like, to not get punched in the mouth and to also but, deliver pain? You know, defense but, is kind of part of this. Listen, listen. Canelo has fought the best that you could possibly fight. There is not an opponent that Canelo hasn't fought. I'm not saying Terrence resume. Crawford. You're wait, asking wait, pure skill. No. But we're talking about pound for pound. Because not but, only has Canelo walked it, he has also No, I agree it. with that. I agree with that. It's hard to move him off at of number one. To me, it takes some monumental shit like Deontay Wilder running through everyone and unifying the belts to even budge him from number one. But your question was, who's a better fighter outside of moving up and down, outside of resume? Who's a better fighter, Canelo or Deontay Wilder? Canelo is. But now if we okay. put that same narrative, who's a better fighter? Canelo or Terrence Crawford, I'd say Terrence Crawford because he doesn't get hit in the mouth. Because wait, 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 Triple G wait, 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 did wait, 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 a guy wait, hasn't stood there and just bombed on him. You've you seen Canelo and Terrence Crawford fight. Who's got better defense? Terrence Crawford. Canelo has great head movement. His feet are, are you, stuck in you're, sand. You're going to tell me that Terrence Crawford has better defense than Canelo Alvarez? I, I think I would. On 140 How? pounds, Terrence Crawford, I, he was putting beat on people and he really wasn't taking damage. What is the offensive, like, what is the most offensive fighter that Terrence Crawford has fought? Oh, shit. I don't know. I'm looking this up right now. You're acting like we have bad time. How do we start off on this tangent? Um, because Terrence you Crawford. start talking about Deontay Wilder being t- top 10 pound for pound. If he beats Andy Ruiz and Tyson Fury, he should be, jump over Everybody. and be number one pound for pound. Everybody. You're nuts. Let's go crazy. Um, let's see. The best offensive fighter he's fought. Yeah. If you gotta look it up, there's a problem. Victor Postal? Yeah. If if you have to look oh, it Gamboa. up, have a problem. If you have to look it up, we got a problem, don't we? But no, I'm just saying I gotta look for I'm credibility. Just saying, I'm just saying Gamboa's just... the best. I would say he knocked him out in nine. Yeah, and he got buzzed against Gamboa as well. Gamboa, Gamboa hit him. You say he got buzzed, I say he got touched, and that's why like it's so rare for him to get touched and even grazed and make his face look like he's been in a fight that you say he got buzzed. No, it just looked like he was in a fight. But Gamboa is there. Is Gamboa remotely close to a pound-for-pound guy? No. Amir Khan is the second best offensive fighter he's fought. That would tell you. That would tell you all you need to know. Post out. I mean, oh, Hank Lundy? Hammer and Hank Lundy, are you serious? I'm just saying, like, I'm throwing out Nate. Like, this is the guy I'm just telling you. Knocked him out in five? 
Canelo Post Alvarez, probably second. <laughs> defensively, Canelo Alvarez fought one of the most feared punchers in all of boxing twice. And got hit in the face the entire and time. Didn't, and didn't budge. No, his not chin is made not, of something special. Not did he not budge. Gennady Golovkin had his lowest connect percentage against Canelo Alvarez, who was defensive-minded in that fight. And then in the rematch, walked to him. Like, there's nobody on anybody's resume except for, no, there's nobody. that ter- Like, Canelo Alvarez has fought guys that have been either number one pound-for-pound guys or near number one pound-for-pound guys. Deontay Wilder hasn't done that. Terrence Crawford hasn't done that. Vasily Lomachenko hasn't done that. Vasily Lomachenko got dropped against Jorge Linares. When did Canelo Alvarez get dropped? Never. No. Thank you. No. I mean, the guy has an iron chin. I'm just saying, Canelo Alvarez has fought the elite fighters. Everybody. There are very few names that you can look at on Canelo's resume and be like, ah, he hasn't fought him. He's been tested. That's what I'm saying. Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Who, Who wins that fight? Errol Spence wins that fight. Mm. Errol Spence was better fight. Are we going Errol Spence versus Canelo? Like, Errol Spence is special offensively. Um, and then my point is this. My point is this. When you have a guy that you say is the best fighter in the world and has actually proven it by fighting the elite, that's your pound-for-pound guy. Who won the that's first Triple G fight? If we're doing hypotheticals, Canelo hey, Triple G, who won the first one? I pick, I mean, did Floyd Mayweather beat Jose Luis Castillo in the first fight? A lot of people say no. But what's, I'm does it matter? You. I'm just asking I, again, you. Again, I've always said the argument against Canelo is that I didn't think he beat Triple G in both of those fights. Me but either. there's nobody on Deontay Wilder's resume that's even close to Gennady Golovkin. There's nobody on Terrence Crawford's resume that's even close to Gennady Golovkin. Not even remotely close. <sighs> nobody. It's tough. So, so Deontay Wilder, you beat a guy that you already knocked out. At that out. point, he would have Ruiz and the lineal heavyweight champion and Tyson Fury, whose record speaks for itself. Yeah, I would say he has wins comparable to two very close and questionable wins over Triple G. But now you're saying that... Then, no now we're splitting just, hairs between now, like Jacobs and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Now you're just saying that Canelo just sits around and does nothing while Deontay does this. You don't think that Canelo's about to add to his legacy while, while he's not going to sit there and take bum fights? You know that. No, he's not going to take bum fights. I just don't know if he can add as much as that. Like, are you telling me he he's going to clear out the entire 168-pound division? Then we can Dude, talk. He, he still he, hasn't. I mean, the Triple G one, he was one title away from clearing out the division. He hasn't done that. He hasn't faced a Charlo. Um, I mean, if you want to tell me he's going to fight Caleb Plant. And that shit's gonna be in a walk in the park at like one sixty. Like, there's some names Dog. that would give the guy problems, and they're all better than everybody Deontay's fought, except for Tyson Fury, and he didn't beat him. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all we're, I'm saying. We're living like in a hypothetical world, if he beats Ruiz and or Joshua and Tyson Fury, I think he whoops Joshua's ass at this point. I've been watching Joshua fights. Joshua, his chin is not great. He gets dropped quite a bit, so I don't think he holds up in a Wilder fight. So if he beats those two guys. It, and then Ruiz might want to take a crack at him after that. He has those three names in any order. He's number one. Dude, again, so if, if Canelo goes and beats Callum Smith for a 168-pound title, and Canelo, like, because oh, you're man. assuming Callum that he's... Callum Smith's not there. a name. Callum Smith's not a name that's going to budge me off of that. 
No. Are you fucking nuts? No, I'm no, dead ass serious. More boxing. You need to watch more boxing. <laughs> I know he just won the tournament. Too. Listen, I'm not just. Dark. He's not no, no, moving no. me off of the task of beating a, a Ruiz okay. or a Joshua and a Fury. Okay, let's be clear. Andy Ruiz lost to Joseph Parker. Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua, who you just said isn't that good. And you're gonna he's disparage Callum Smith? And you're gonna wait, you're gonna disparage the guy who's a one in sixty-eight pound champion after you just said Andy Ruiz beat a guy that's not that good. So now you're gonna say Deontay Wilder beats Andy Ruiz and that elevates him above him? You asked me if Callum Smith is enough to keep him there. No. Why not? He's a he's another champion. He's a legit one sixty-eight pound champion. I don't think it's enough to keep him there. And with Wilder doing all of those How? things, I don't he's think he's a it's legitimate four division champion. <laughs> There's How no other place for Wilder to go. Wilder's beat people 50 pounds bigger than him, too. Are we talking about that? There's just not a myriad of belts to go up 50 pounds. No, no, but guess no, what? No. He whipped their my, ass, my, too. My point is, Callum Smith is the legitimate champion at super middleweight. If Canelo beats him, how does that not move him? Callum Smith loses to Caleb Plant today if they fight. Hot take. Are you sure? Are you sure about yes. that? You must. You haven't watched enough Callum Smith fights. I, I'm putting it on Caleb Plant. I've watched a lot of Caleb Plant. I'll tell you but that. You have, but you just said you haven't watched any Callum Smith, and you just gonna make that. No, prediction? I just watched Callum Smith run through the tournament. You watched his run through the tournament. Really? Yeah, and it was good. That was a it was a close fight in the final. Don't act like he's just blowing people away at 168. You watch Callum Smith through the tournament, and you watch this guy become the champion. You say if Canelo Alvarez beats him, because Callum Smith beat George Groves. Callum Smith, yeah, like he hasn't had a ton of great names on his resume, kind of like Deontay Wilder. Is that what we're but just debating, is, names on a resume? But, but he's a world champion at 168 pounds, and Canelo Alvarez is a legitimate four-division champion. The knockout of George Groves is probably the most impressive. Again, Canelo Alvarez beats a legitimate 168-pound champion, becomes a four-division world champion, and that does nothing for him. No, beat Rocky lost, Fielding. I'm not, like, that's what Rocky you does. You lost your speed. mind if you're saying a guy who has moved through multiple weight classes, it doesn't Again, do anything. Again, you can't do that in heavyweight. Whose fucking fault is that? If you can, though, Wilder's 215 pounds, he'd be the guy who's 270. You want to do the math on that? It's 45 pounds. Doug, what are you doing? Like, 45, 55 pounds. What if there was doing? a title every seven pounds between 215 and 270, he'd win them all. Listen. Listen, man. Deontay Wilder's resume is weak. You know it. <laughs> I know it. Okay, I'm, I'm not arguing. If he wins Canelo that, Alvarez, if he wins that specific set of fights... That I mapped out, he is number one. There's no way. That's fucking impossible because, you're again, you're saying that Canelo's just going to sit there and not do nothing. Unless while Canelo adds up. Andre Ward to that list and somehow really? talks him out of that shit, Deontay like, Wilder's how, number one. How does he become number one pound for pound? Because who did he beat? He would have beat Tyson Fury. And then? He would have beat Ortiz, uh, Ruiz or Joshua. Hmm. So Andy Ruiz is a pound for pound guy. He would have unified the heavyweight champion. I don't care. Heavyweight boxing is that important to me that it's on a curve. Is Andy Ruiz a pound-for-pound guy? No, we just argued that if he beats beats Joshua, he is fringe. So what? He's top 15. Like, if he beats him. So he beats, yeah, he beat the lineal heavyweight champion. He then beat, I think he beats Ruiz or Joshua. 
his biggest obstacle, obviously, is Tyson Fury. If he gets past Tyson Fury, and for some reason there's not another Tyson Fury fight for a while, yes, I think Deontay Wilder beats everyone else in the division, knocks them out, and with knockouts and becoming the unified heavyweight champion is number one pound for pound. Okay. Which I'm not yeah, sure. I mean, when, when was the last time you saw that? Who's the last unified heavyweight champion? Uh, yeah. uh, Klitschko. Come on, dude. Oh, yeah, Klitschko. Well, no, I always thought his brother had one, but I guess not. Um, yeah, Klitschko, and then before him, yeah, there hasn't been many. So what, every seven years, maybe? Lennox Lewis, before that? I need stats and info. I'm so dependent on stats and info right now. I'll have this by the next time we talk. But I will put it in my stats and info thing. So you're gonna sit there and tell me that you you beat those you beat Andy Ruiz and Tyson Fury. You have a better resume than Canelo Alvarez. Yes, right. you're lucky we don't got more time in the show because I'm hitting up stats and info. But we will discuss this next time, and I will tell you why it's so rare for Deontay Wilder to do that. But nonetheless, the people will tell us where we stand. We're supposed to keep the show tight. We've gone over. I want to thank everyone for listening. A couple of changes coming up to the Corner Podcast that will clue you in going forward. Trust me, it's nothing but good changes. We appreciate you guys throughout this journey. Make sure you follow us on social media at the Corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on everything. This conversation is not over, but until next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.